Good morning. How's everybody this morning? I hate to cut off good conversation, good connection. Promise the person that you're talking to that this bookmark that you're putting in your conversation, you'll pick it back up after service because we love to see when people are connecting and we're making these deep bonds in the family of Christ. How many know that to the left of you, to the right of you, behind you, before you, are your brothers and sisters in Christ who love you dearly. And the family that we, ha that we have here in Antioch Waltham is just that family. Amen? Amen? It is good to be before you today. My name is Pierce Van Dunk. I'm one of the pastors here. And I would love to begin by having everybody uh, just stand for a moment. We're going to do a lot of up and down today, get uh, everybody moving. And I would love to just start us in prayer. Father God, we come before you today humble and thankful you are good and your mercy endures forever. And I thank you for every person who is on their feet right now, every person who wanted to be here but could not make it. God, as we are in this sermon series on prayer, we just thank you and bless you for the ways that you are encountering us as we seek you, Father God. We say yes together. We say yes to everything that you want to do in us and with us and through us in prayer, Father God. And we trust your word as we dig deeply into what your word says about prayer, God, we trust you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. You can take a seat. We've been in the habit of standing as we read scripture, but I've got a bunch of scripture scattered throughout the sermon, so I don't want to up, down, up, down, once and for all at the beginning. We have been in a sermon series on prayer, and it has been absolutely beautiful. Anybody been blessed by this sermon series on prayer that we have been going through? Anybody been blessed by the prayer groups that we've been holding? Anybody been blessed in their own devotional time as they've been seeking the Lord in prayer? Raise a hand if God has met you in prayer in this season. Amen. I've got a topic to speak on that's a little more somber than some of the other ones that we have been going through, but how many know that God meets us in the deepest, darkest, most painful places? Amen. My topic today is boldness, joy, and victory among suffering and persecution. Boldness, joy, and victory amid suffering and persecution. What does prayer look like when we are suffering physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually? What does prayer look like when prayer and worship can get us in trouble? What does prayer look like when practicing our faith becomes a dangerous thing? What does prayer look like when practicing our faith feels painful? There is suffering that feels purposeful. There is the numerous biblical examples, many of which we'll touch on today, of believers, of faithful men and women of God practicing their faith, spreading the gospel, expanding the kingdom of God, and facing opposition for it, of experiencing pain and suffering because of what they are trying to accomplish for the kingdom of God, what God has called them to and what he has inspired them to do. There's suffering that we face for those reasons. There's suffering that does not feel purposeful in the moment. There's suffering that we choose. We say, I want to accomplish this, so I will go through the hard thing to get to the other side. There's suffering that it feels like chooses us, where we 
have a difficult experience that we weren't anticipating and we're not prepared for. How many love Jesus in the house this morning? How many turn to Jesus as our example for living, for how we practice our faith? If we want to learn about prayer, who better to turn to than Jesus himself? Like I said, lots of scripture today. Most of them will be displayed on the screen. Some will not. You are welcome to do some Bible drills and and pull out your Bible and flip all over the place as I bounce around. But uh, the ones that you really need to see and look at will be up on the screen. We're going to take a look at Matthew chapter 26, verses 36 to 39. We do not have... We do not have it on the screen, so I will read it aloud. If you have something with you, turn right there. I'm in the New Living Translation, Matthew chapter 26, verses 36 to 39. When you got it, say amen. All right. Jesus, when he was on this earth, suffered more than anybody in history. Now, I can fathom people who have suffered worse physically than Jesus, right? Plenty of people were crucified in the Roman Empire, plenty of people have undergone gruesome physical suffering, but when you imagine Jesus on the cross, the weight of sin poured out on him, the Father turning his face away, the anguish that he felt bearing our sins and being tortured and persecuted, nobody has suffered worse persecution than Jesus. And before he went to the cross, In the Garden of Gethsemane, he experienced the anguish that came with anticipating that suffering he would experience. Matthew chapter 26, starting in verse 36 says, Then Jesus went with them, two of his disciples, to the olive grove, three of his disciples, to the olive grove called Gethsemane, and he said, Sit here while I go over there to pray. He took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he became anguished and distressed, and distressed. In other places we read that he was so distressed that he sweat blood. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He went on a little farther and bowed with his face to the ground, praying, my father, if it is possible, Let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet, I want your will to be done, not mine. You say that last sentence that Jesus gave us once again. He said, yet, I want your will to be done and not mine. That last piece of what Jesus said as he was anticipating the worst suffering and persecution that anybody has ever gone through in the history of this earth That's what's going to be what holds us together this morning as we speak on boldness, joy, and victory amid suffering and persecution, where Jesus says he wants the will of the Father to be done. Does anybody here today want the will of the Father to be done in your life? Do we want as a body, as a collective, as a group, as a family, for the will of God to be done in us in good times, in bad times? In joy, in pain and suffering. Hebrews 12.22, it talks about how Jesus faced the cross boldly because of what? The joy that was set before him. 
to go to the cross willingly to suffer that pain and that sorrow and that grief and death willingly for him to overcome sin, death, hell, and the grave. That should get somebody excited. He has overcome sin, death, hell, and the grave in our lives today because of that joy set before him, because he was bold and because he faced the cross. Boldness, joy, victory, they come from God. And we hold fast to them in prayer so that we can do his will. We pray for boldness because boldness is not of us. Does that make sense? By myself, without God's influence in my life, I've got no reason to face persecution for, with boldness. I've got no, nothing within me that makes me want to run toward the danger and to practice my faith no matter what comes my way. Think of all the biblical examples of people who faced the hardest things because they would not compromise on their faith. Think of the three Hebrew boys who would not bow to Nebuchadnezzar because they only gave their loyalty and allegiance and their worship and praise to God in heaven and not to any human being. Think of Daniel who prayed to God even when the law of the land said that he was only allowed to pray to King Darius to the point where he was faced with a pit full of lions where he boldly faced whatever physical consequences they could throw at him because he valued God's will more than his own safety, more than his own well-being, more than his own goals and aspirations. His highest aspiration was to do the will of the Father in heaven, and he faced insurmountable danger because of the will of God, because he valued the will of God over anything else in life. Think of Peter and John when the Jewish council detained and questioned them. These same two of the men who were with Jesus the, day the night before he was crucified who witnessed him in this deep anguish. After Jesus was crucified and resurrected, Peter and John were arrested and were questioned and detained because they kept preaching the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And yet we see in Acts chapter 4, verses 29 to 30, they pray after they're released. They say, And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us your servants. What great boldness, great boldness in preaching your word. These were men who had just been arrested. These were men who had just been put under the question. But they said, they rejoiced and they said, give us, Lord, great boldness to keep doing what just got us in trouble. <laughs> they prayed, stretch out your hand with healing power. They were praying down the will of God in their lives through their hands. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Now look at this. Prayer was not a spectacle to show how brave any of these people in the Bible were. Right? We, we could keep going with uh, countless, countless examples of people who face danger to do the will of God in the scriptures and in the history of the church. But what we see in the people who are genuinely with their heart following Jesus, following God in heaven, 
is that they are not trying to put on a show for others. They're not trying to lift themselves up. They're not trying to give themselves the, the reputation of being brave, bold people. The prayer was not a spectacle to show how brave they were. They prayed to receive God's boldness in the midst of danger. Anybody want God's boldness in the midst of when it becomes painful and, and stressful to follow Christ? Amen. Boldness to face these odds was a gift from God. It wasn't anything within them. It wasn't anything within Peter or John or Daniel or those three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It was something that God gifted them to do his will. Joy. How hard is it to have joy when we are suffering? Anybody been told, hey, you just got to put a smile on your face and be happy when they were in some hard times? Not helpful, right? The joy that we're talking about here, the joy that the scriptures are saying that you have access to no matter what you're suffering is not that put a smile on your face and it's going to be okay type of happiness. It is a miraculous gift of God in the midst of dark circumstances. Take a look at Philippians chapter 3, starting in verse 10. Philippians 3, verses 10 to 11. And think about who was writing this. The Apostle Paul, who was one of the people in the scriptures who faced more danger and suffering for the name of Jesus, who was arrested who was beaten, who was beaten to death, who was shipwrecked, who faced all of these things because he had a mission from Christ that he was going to accomplish no matter what. He said, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death so that one way or another I will experience the resurrection from the dead. Paul is talking about identifying with Jesus, willingly facing hardships when it means doing God's will. Right? When we are willing to face whatever comes, to do the will of God in our lives, when he has a calling for us, but that calling looks bigger than we can accomplish, right? There, there are small ways and there are massive ways where we face this in our lives. It may be as simple as overcoming the discomfort to, to speak a word of encouragement or a word of faith to a coworker who doesn't believe. It may be as big as dedicating your life to overseas missions in a place where it is not welcome to speak about the name of Jesus and it's anything in between. God gives us the strength. God gives us the ability. God gives us the inspiration. And when we say, yes, I will face whatever comes my way to do your will, God. When we say in prayer, when we come before the Lord humbled, when we kneel before him and say, God, whatever your will is in my life, I'm ready to face it. We are upheld by the love and the power of God in our lives because we're identifying with Jesus in his sufferings because it becomes less and less about me. It becomes less and less about what I can or can't do. And it becomes more and more 
about Jesus. It becomes more and more about what he wants to do in me, what he wants to do through me. Think of the rest of the book of Acts. Think of all of the times that Peter, James, John, all the other apostles, Paul, faced flogging, faced near-death experiences. And think about that one time when all of the apostles were dragged before the council just like Peter and John had been. But they rejoiced. They prayed a prayer of joy. Because of what? Because they were counted worthy to suffer for the name of Jesus. Because they were able to participate. Right? They counted it a joy to participate in what God was doing in this world. What God is doing in this world isn't always easy, but it's always worth it. It's not always easy, but to advance the kingdom of God and to bring more of God's love and to bring more of the presence of Jesus into this world, it's always worth it. Think of when Peter was imprisoned for preaching. And there was an around-the-clock prayer ministry happening back in the, the gathering of believers. Peter is imprisoned, and everyone in the church thinks, hey, maybe he's gone for good. Maybe, maybe this is the end for Peter. Maybe this is when he is finally martyred for his faith. Maybe this is when his life ends. But they begin to pray. They begin to pray for a miracle. And an angel comes and opens the prison gates and lets Peter walk right into that prayer gathering. Right? The people are praying that God's will would be done through Peter, not, so, not for Peter's benefit, not for their benefit, but so that people would see that sign, that miracle, that wonder, and that they would know the power of Jesus. Amen? That's boldness, that's joy, and victory. What does victory look like amid persecution? When people are suffering for the faith that they profess. It's important to note that victory comes from God, not the words of the prayer. Does that make sense? There's no formula, there's no perfect word or scripture that you can pull in to make the miracle that you want happen. Anybody like video games? I see my son raising his hand. <laughs> I was always terrible at video games, and the reason I was terrible at video games is one, because I was really cheap. I didn't like to spend the money on the video games. But I was really terrible at video games because I could never get that combination down, right? You gotta go A, A, B, B, R1, R2, L1, L2. I could never figure it all out, and everybody else could, right? There's no combo that's going to get you what you want in prayer. It's that simple. Prayer is not the vending machine to push the right button and get the thing that we want and to take the suffering away. Prayer is not the, the combination of words that makes the magic spell happen, that makes everything better. It's just not. Because the reality is, sometimes following Jesus gets hard. But what we're praying for is what Jesus prayed for in 
the Garden of Gethsemane. Not my will, Father, but your will be done. Prayer is getting us in line with what God is doing in our lives. Prayer is getting us in line with what God is doing in the lives of those around us. Prayer is getting us in line with this eternal, never-ending narrative of God's love and his justice and his joy and his peace flowing more and more into this earth, into the lives of people that he wants to encounter, that he wants to bless, that through the things that we suffer when we are following God, that something greater, something more powerful, something bigger than we can ever imagine that we can see with our eyes or can fathom with our minds. When we align with God's will, we are part of something bigger than we can ever imagine. Does anybody want to be bigger than part of something bigger that they can ever imagine? It's also extremely important to note that God brings the victory. Not anything that we can do, right? We're not praying for strength to do the thing or to endure the suffering so that we can get glory or so that we can do, right? God's doing it. We're helping. (laughs) And our prayer is that God does the thing and we say yes and have the boldness and have the endurance to keep saying yes to God as God does what he wants to do. There's a story in from, from uh, the beginning of the 21st century where there were two missionaries from Antioch, Waco. This was back in the early 2000s named Heather Mercer and Dana Curry. And to make a long story short, those two women said yes to what God was doing in another part of the world. And they traveled to that part of the world and they did ministry and they were arrested for doing so because the place where where they were doing ministry was not open or welcome to the gospel. And they spent three months, three months imprisoned for doing ministry, for caring for the people around them in Jesus' name. Back at home in Texas, there was ceaseless day and night prayer for them for several, several weeks and months. And those prayers were answered and they were released. And they got to come back home. And in the midst of that scary situation, people's faith was increased. People heard about Jesus who didn't know Jesus. People saw these women's boldness, saw their willingness to undergo, undergo anything that came their way to do the will of God. And people were saved. Now, how many know that that's a beautiful, happy ending, but these stories don't always have happy endings? Prayer is not about getting the happy ending that we want. Prayer is about lining ourselves up with the will of God and making what we value more than anything the outcome that God is trying to accomplish in our lives. That's when we suffer for a purpose that we know. That's where we can count the cost, where we can evaluate, all right, this is what I might face. And I say, yes, God, you have a calling on my life. I go to that country. I say what you want me to say to that coworker. I start the ministry in the next town over. I help those who are 
suffering, even if it costs me time and even if I can't make as much money as I would going to a, a corporate job, I say, I say yes and I suffer the consequences. I evaluate it and I say yes, right? But what does prayer look like when suffering comes our way that we didn't count on, that we didn't know was coming? We pray for boldness, we pray for joy, we pray for victory. Those things just look a little different in those situations. There are so many things that can come upon us unexpectedly. Illness, death of a loved one, poverty, natural disaster, the list goes on and on and on. There's so much suffering in this world. And I am 100% certain that every person in this room has had a taste of suffering in one way or another. Anybody in this room had a taste of suffering in one way or another? But praise God that Jesus gives us reassurance in the midst of our suffering, no matter what the nature of the suffering is. Turn to John chapter, 29, or chapter 16, verses 29 to 33. Right? And John, or Jesus is in the midst of giving a message of wisdom, of hope, of encouragement to his disciples. He's telling them, hey, uh, I'm, I'm going to be crucified, but on, on the third day, I'm going to rise again. None of this is going to make any sense to you right now, but you'll get it in three, four days. He is giving them his heart. And this is what he says. Then his disciples said, at last you are speaking plainly and not figuratively. Right? Remember, Jesus would speak in parables and at this last hour of his life here on earth, his, his natural life, he is saying a lot of things very straightforwardly that he said before only in parables. They said, now we understand that you know everything and there's no need to question you. From this we believe that you came from God. Jesus asked, do you finally believe? Right? How many have had Jesus try and communicate something to you and it took you a while <laughs> to get there? Took a couple knocks on the head. Do you finally believe? But the time is coming. Indeed, it's now here when you will be scattered. Each one going his own way, leaving me, leaving Jesus alone. Yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. And here's why he tells them all this. I have told you all of this so that you may have peace in me. Jesus' word to us is peace. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. But take heart, because I, because Jesus has overcome the world. Take heart, because Jesus has overcome the world, and that his will for you, Jesus' will for you, is peace. It's not always easy to keep God's will right in front of our eyes when we experience this, these situations of suffering. It's not always easy to broaden our view and have the whole cosmic picture in our sights. Think of Job. Job didn't get to hear the conversation that God and, and the devil were having. 
Job didn't get the, the audio or the transcript that, oh, God is allowing the enemy to test me to, to show uh, my faithfulness, right? All Job knew was suffering. <laughs> what befell him to him felt random, right? When he lost his fields, his property, when he went poor all in one day, when he experienced physical illness, and when his children all died in the same day. Most of you know my family's current situation. Some of you may not. About two and a half months ago, our son, Gabriel Ezequiel, was, uh, was stillborn. And we spent nine months, ten months, just excited about the gift that God had given us. And in the moment when his heartbeat started decreasing and we were rushed into surgery, it became apparent that we were facing one of those moments of suffering that doesn't feel purposeful in the moment. We're talking about prayer, and there are those prayers of desperation when you really wish you had that video game combo of prayer to make the good thing happen and to, to keep our son alive. But that wasn't the case. And over these two and a half months, we have been feeling firsthand what it means to hold on to prayer in the midst of suffering. It takes boldness to lean into prayer when what you're feeling is despair. The easy route is to give up, is to isolate, is to fall deeper and deeper into sorrow, is to shut others out, and that's always a temptation. It's especially a temptation to question God, to doubt, to try and shut him out. It takes boldness to lean into prayer, to lean into God's presence, to lean into community when you're experiencing some of the hardest moments in your life. It takes boldness. And that boldness, that boldness that we have felt to lean into God and the people around us, it's not from us. So many days we have not felt bold. We've not felt any joy. We've not felt like there was any way to have any victory in this situation. But God, as we've leaned into him, he's given us that boldness. God has given us the reason, the inspiration to lean into prayer in this time. And whatever you're suffering, whatever you have suffered, you don't have to work up your own boldness. You don't have to put that smile on your face and, and just push forward. And, you know, it, it's all going to be all right because God's with me. That's true. But you don't have to force yourself to, to believe that. It's from God. It's not from you. It's from God. It's not from me. When you, when you choose the suffering that you're going through, or, or when you choose the risk for following God's will and doing something hard, you have that feeling, that thought, 
hey, this suffering will be worth it in the end because if we endure, we will accomplish this thing. But when the suffering strikes unexpectedly, it's not something that you chose. You don't have that same feeling. Even more so, it has to be from God. The boldness has to be from God. The joy has to be from God. We have the joy, just like Jesus, we have access to that joy because of what's set before us. Because there is healing on the other side of pain and suffering. Amen? Because there is meaning and restoration that only God can bring in a miraculous way. Because God is there with us, we can have joy. That's not joy that you can fake. It's not joy that you can just work up the desire to have and you've got it. Joy in the midst of suffering is a miracle. A miracle that only God can bring. There have been days in the midst of our own loss where we realize, oh, we're happy today. <laughs> oh, this, this was, we get to the very end of the day, it's like, I didn't cry today. And we recognize that we didn't do anything to make that happen. It's a gift from God. And that joy can coexist with heart-rending suffering. It doesn't have to be something that bumps out the tears or the grief or the pain or the sorrow. Those things can coexist within you as you lean into God. There's joy in worship and prayer. There is second only to being in the presence of my family and, and close friends and being in the presence of God. Second only to that is the joy that we have felt in the midst of worship and prayer. Worship here in the congregation. We've been having just moments of worship in our home where the tears are free to flow, where the laughter is free to flow, and, and there's a, a level and depth of true joy there in the midst of suffering that you just can't find anywhere else. What does victory look like in the midst of suffering like this? Just like with persecution, it's extremely important to note that victory is from God and not from the prayer. You can't pray yourself into a better situation. You pray to line up with the will that God has for your life. You pray to invite more of the presence of God and the Holy Spirit to, to comfort you in those dark places. We have prayed to invite the Holy Spirit to comfort us. We have prayed that God would set the, the people and the loving support around us that we've needed. And all those prayers have been answered. And a lot of you in this room have been a part of God's answer to those prayers. So thank you for that. What does victory look like? Job was tempted by the enemy to, to curse God and to isolate and to give up. Victory in the midst of that sort of suffering looks simply like hanging on to God. If you can hang on to God, if you can lean into prayer, if you can stay with 
the will of God and, and lean on your brothers and sisters in Christ, it's victory. Amen? It doesn't have to look like you getting better. It doesn't have to look like you getting back to your old self after you've experienced something hard. What it looks like is you leaning desperately on God. It's a victory. Had a friend of mine reach out to me and just ask how I was doing in the midst of what we're going through. And I was telling him, it's been, this was just this past week, and I told him, it's been a consecutive like four or five days where things have felt, felt peaceful and like we have been together and, and on the same page as a family and, and we've just felt peace in the midst of sorrow. And he said, for a lot of us, that is a miraculous answer to our deepest prayers. Victory looks like hanging on to God in the midst of sorrow and suffering. And God does that. God brings that victory. You don't have to grin and bear it. You don't have to grit your teeth. You don't have to push through it, especially in this room here, because to your left, like I said at the beginning, to your left, matter of fact, look to your left. Look to your right. Turn around, look behind you. Look in front of you. Look at me. Right. God has put you in a family of faith. You don't have to do it on your own. God brings the victory, and he uses the people around you to do it. In closing, we're going to look at one more scripture. It's Paul again, somebody who experienced a lot of the suffering of the sort we're talking about. Ephesians 6, verses 18 to 20. And these are explicit instructions from God about, or from Paul, from the scriptures about prayer that apply very much in both suffering that feels purposeful and suffering that strikes seemingly at random. But we can't forget that God is in control even in the midst of those sufferings, that Jesus has overcome the world. Paul writes, and we can take as instructions directly to us. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Every occasion. Whether we just hit the lottery or whether we just experienced a, a painful loss or, or feeling a physical illness. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Be persistent. Lean in to prayer when suffering comes your way. And pray for me too. Ask God to give me the right words so I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan. That the good news is for Jews and Gentiles alike. I am in chains now, still preaching this message as God's ambassador. So pray that I will keep on speaking boldly for him as I should. What are you facing in your life? Past, present, anticipated future? Is there a calling on your life just as Paul had the calling to spread the gospel near and far? Peter, John had the calling to spread the gospel near and far. Daniel, those three Hebrew boys. Job had a calling to endure suffering. To, for the, the sake of the kingdom of God? Do you have a calling 
on your life that requires doing some hard things? Have you experienced or are you experiencing a painful situation that you just can't put meaning to yet? That feels purely like suffering and pain? What are you facing? What have you faced that is still stirring in your soul? Is persecution or suffering trying to slap chains on you the way that Paul was physically imprisoned and, and chained for following the will of God? Are there spiritual, are there emotional, are there mental chains that are clasped on you because of suffering or persecution? Do you need boldness? Do you not know how to go forward in the calling that God has for you or how to lean on God in the midst of your suffering? Do you need boldness from God? Do you need that miraculous joy from God in the midst of the hard things that you're facing? What does victory look like for you? And what does prayer look like in the midst of all of this for you beyond the God get me out of this prayers? Those aren't bad. There's nothing wrong with the God get me out of this prayers. But as we've been discussing this whole prayer series, God's calling us for our, God is calling for our prayers to go deeper than God get me out of this. God, let your will be done in my life. Let your will be done through what I'm facing, through what I'm suffering. I'm going to take a minute to close in prayer, but before I do, there's going to be a time of uh, response, a few songs, and there will be people in the front of the sanctuary, to the sides, to the back, uh, willing to pray for you into whatever uh, suffering you might be experiencing. If you raise a hand, somebody's going to come to you and, and pray with you through whatever you are facing. You can reach out to us, uh, myself, uh, anybody on staff, Sophia. Um, all of our contact information is on our website. Um, you can reach out to us to be prayed over in the midst of whatever you're facing during the week. There is, a, just like Barbara talked about at the beginning of the service, we have a ministry called uh, Listening Prayer, Listening Prayer Ministry, where we, we go deep into, uh, into past uh, pain and trauma, or we go deep into whatever uh, we're experiencing and pray through that in a really meaningful and powerful way and dedicate significant time to that, there are ways for you to be surrounded and supported in the midst of what you're suffering so that the will of God can be done in your life and so that God can give you victory. Not cheap, um, the smiles on my face victory, but victory in the depths of your spirit. That you endured another day, that you endured another month, another year, and you're still leaning on God in prayer. Amen? Stand with me. Jesus, Savior, Comforter, Friend, you endured the harshest persecution and the deepest suffering that anybody on this earth ever did. Yet you prayed. I could end the sentence right there, God. <laughs> Yet you prayed. Yet you prayed that the will of your Father in heaven be done in you. 
You prayed that the suffering and persecution that you were facing had meaning in the kingdom of God. So we pray with you that what we are facing, the suffering, the tragedy, the loss, the persecution, whatever we are facing, whatever we have faced, whatever we will face, we pray that your will would be done in us. In Jesus' name.